Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Zed. And we are recording on May 8th, 2020. And uh, I feel like we're in the belly of the beast right now when it comes to quarantine. But yeah, there's been developments uh, over on the UCLA side. So let's talk about them. Yeah, I, uh, I've i lost track of time. So I don't even remember the last time we uh, recorded an episode now, but it's been a while. It has. Our apologies, or if you can't tell time, then no apologies. I can't tell time. (laughs) We actually recorded yesterday, (laughs) just because everything has blended together. Uh, Yeah, who knows what what day or time it is. Um, But there's been been some some interesting developments with football, with basketball, obviously, um, and then some of the other sports. you wanna you wanna start with the most depressing one, or actually they're all sort of depressing. <laughs> yeah, I mean we can just hit the nail on the head. Uh, Dyshawn Nix uh, decommitted from UCLA last week. Um, I'm not sure what day that is because again days just blend into each other, but I do know it's last week. And um, yeah, it was it was shocking news. It was something that wasn't even. There was no rumor of it. There was there wasn't much to it, to how it just popped up. It sounded like this was a decision, and that was very much kept to the vest with the Knicks family. Uh, no leaks, and they made it quickly. But uh, yeah, Dyshawn he decommitted de- after he did sign his NIL. Right? It was his NIL or his LOI. Which uh, one was it? I don't I think know. it was LOI. Yeah, See, I'm that's not why. Sure which one he signed this, now? Yeah, this is poor research on our part, but again, we're just speaking from the fan perspective. And um, Dyshawn, uh, he he, pretty much went to the G League. The NBA is uh, clearly making some power moves of the top 20 recruits in the country as talks begin to stall of the one-and-done rule being taken away uh, for many reasons that the Player Association um, is debating about. So once that has, as that stalled, NBA is starting to invest more into the G League program. Um, the G League program is consisted of a, a new team that's going to be based in Southern California, on which has to be determined. And they're going to take these kids, high school athletes, put them through a year development program where they play 10 to 11 10 to 12 exhibition games uh, with G-leaguers, with professionals, and they'll also just uh, be getting introduced to the professionals. So, and then also, I think one of the other caveats was that they do receive a full scholarship to a college if they decide to, to go back. So there's many enticing, like attractive features or reasons why Daishan, uh chose this, and not to mention the fact that He's going to be making over two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I think they said over his deal is going to be around three hundred, right? Yeah, um, that's uh, two hundred. I think is the minimum. Yeah, two fifty. Two fifty is the minimum. minimum. Yeah, and so he's going to be joining Isaiah Todd, who decommitted from Michigan, uh, shortly after Joshua Christopher didn't commit to Michigan, right? And we thought that timing was peculiar. But it, and then that commitment came the same day that Jalen Green, which was one of the, the top three recruits in the country who was leaning towards Auburn, had decided to just all of a sudden uh, flip to the pros. So this has seemed like a more recent thing over the past month that G League has their campaign, and uh, it's working. And UCLA, unfortunately, is a victim of it because our program now that we found out, is not paying $300,000. Not that we speculate we are paying any players, but <laughs> we do know for a fact we're not able to compete with this offer now. Um, uh, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts on it, Zed? So, So from what I understand, and by the way, I just looked this up, he did sign an LOI, um, which from my understanding, uh, I think we spoke to one of our friends who's a lawyer who's saying that it's not, the most difficult uh, contract in the world to kind of get out of, um, unless other paperwork is signed once a player starts, basically. Uh, anyways, I I feel like from what I've read, um, you know, the financial decision and everything makes sense, and I can't fault a kid for that. Um, on top of that, I think part of this 
his decision specifically um, seems to stem from kind of the uncertainty of the of the times right now. So, you know, we're not really sure if there's going to be a season in college basketball next season or not. I'm confident there will be, but, you know, there's there's reason to doubt it. Um, and so from what I understand, there's, there's kind of that also came into play with uh, Daishan's decision to jump to the G League. I think the G League is probably in a better position to actually have games more than college basketball. Um, but... That also seems to be a big factor in, in in his decision. Not only does he get to make money, but you know there's a higher likelihood of him showcasing his skills in the G League at this point next year. Um, so I think that's a big big thing to play for. It had you know we not been in the, the midst of a global pandemic, maybe it would have shook shook out to to him staying. I don't know, um, but I sort of get the sense that that's that would have been the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a huge blow to this UCLA class. I, I don't think it's a huge... I think it caps off our next season's potential a little bit, but I do think we will still have a very good team uh, overall. So I don't think it, it hurts. It hurts our team next year a little bit. Uh, I don't think it hurts UCLA long-term in the sense that... Uh, Obviously, losing one player, I don't think, is should ever cripple a program. But overall, I think this whole G League thing is being a little overblown about how it's going to destroy the uh, college basketball um, game and whatnot. Uh, I do think we'll see some of these kind of one-and-done mercenaries uh, jumping straight to the G League. And I actually think that might be better for college basketball. Um for me, it's uh, I don't watch college basketball. I don't watch UCLA for like the star players that come through every year, right? I watch the school as, in general for as my team, um, and so I still think I I think people who watch college basketball kind of feel the same way. So I think I don't think it's gonna kill it in that regard. Yes, talent wise, it might drop a little bit. There's you know obviously these one and done guys that are gonna be jumping but I still think there's going to be plenty of of talent in in college basketball there's going to be for every you know one and done type player there's going to be guys like Russell Westbrook who kind of are diamonds in the rough come out of nowhere and end up being really high draft picks and become superstars so I'm not really worried Jalen Jalen Clark hopefully yeah exactly hopefully Jalen Clark but there's there's tons of examples of it you got you have guys like even like John Morant more recently, right? Um, so I, I don't. I'm, I I think this whole doom scenario is not going to be the case um, as much as people want it to be. And I think part of it is just like people are bored right now and don't have other sports to talk about. So there's a lot of speculation going on about this. For UCLA specifically, I don't think it's going to hurt us that much because you know the the. Mick Cronin type of player isn't always necessarily going to be a one-and-done kind of guy. Um, he's he's recruiting a lot more kind of the workman type four-star player who's going to be there for three years rather than, you know, the one-and-done five-star player. So as long as he, you know, sticks to his guns, and maybe this will help him stick to his guns a little bit more because he knows these guys aren't going to, you know, actually come to to college and so he's going to stick to his his recruiting style unlike Ben Howland who kind of veered away from that which screwed him over in the end right um so I don't think it's gonna gonna hurt UCLA as much long term uh obviously it's nice to get you know a guy like Daishin Nix who kind of fits yes his talent is that one and done type talent but he also kind of fits that McCronin model um but Overall, I think we'll be fine and still get plenty of good players and 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 be successful with kind of how our coaching is. Yeah, I, two things uh, to point out, which you touched on, was uh, Daichan, um When when I think the timing with him was shocking. Not only the fact that it's bad timing for us to find a replacement, but I think for most of us, we never 
thought of him as a candidate to be sought out for the G League. As fans, we thought he was a two-year player. I know I did. Uh, you know, he's probably going to be graded as a second-round draft pick his, in his first year, but and then leap up into a first round um, in his second year. So just to see his name, it was kind of shocking on that front. It wasn't, you know, the thought of like, oh, okay, we have a Josh Christopher who's been on everybody's ra- radar or Zaire Williams. Um, so it makes sense that, yeah, they decided to take this deal. It was like, wait, what, our guy? You know, he seemed like he was going to come in and back up t- Tiger, maybe even – uh, get that starting job by the end of the year, but you know, just kind of ease into Cronin's system and then have a, a good second year and pop off and then bounce. But uh, he's I, it, it's interesting. I mean, to speculate, I am going to speculate here is that uh, Daishan he lives in Las Vegas, his family, I think they're from Alaska, but they're in Vegas. I don't know what their current you know, their, their financial situation is. Um, but we do know Vegas was hit hard, um, from this pandemic. So yeah, there's just, it's a strange time and, and things like this, like as shocking as it was, it wasn't too shocking when you actually think about it, uh, in a sense of like UCLA is going to still sometimes attract these type of players that we on our side didn't think were those type of players, the ones who thought they could be one on done, you know? Um, and with that, with how everything uncertain everything is, like you touched on the season, um, it, it, it's not, nobody's faulting him. I think I haven't seen one fan online that's kind of said like he's done the wrong thing, you know, it's like good for him. You know, once you see everything that he's been offered. Absolutely. I think nine out of 10 of us would take would take that deal and then the one out of ten it just really wants to get their degree right away you know? yeah i i do <laughs> so, want to say though i feel like we might have undersold him as a fan base uh in terms of his talent it it seems like it, it's obviously easy to say this hindsight is twenty twenty now but he like towards the end right before he left he was getting like you know some comps to Lonzo Ball in terms of passing and his vision in general, but uh, he was the number one point guard in the class, and there's all these other players that were were potential lottery picks or, like, you know, ranked right around him, so I don't know why we didn't think that he could be a first-rounder. I think the, the I agree completely, and especially when we. St- I think even seeing the Lonzo comps, I was just like, "Oh wow, okay, maybe he's better than I thought." I don't. Uh, but it, it, the guy, like when you saw his tapes, I think the af the the athleticism still isn't you know su- superior to many others in his class. So he didn't have the tapes that jumped out like, "Oh my gosh, this guy can fly above the rim." He was a very much below the rim player. And I think that does hurt your perception in terms of your your translation to the program, right? That's why when we think of guys who are one and done but are raw, we think of Zach Levine, right? Who necessarily right. doesn't have the game, but we're like, oh, he's he could be one and done just off the athleticism. I remember Chris Smith was on draft boards his freshman year, and the guy was a three star from the East Coast, you know. Uh, so and he was very raw, but he had this athletic body. So I I do think that's something as a fan base we do need to kind of uh, sit back and and not necessarily hold athleticism against these players. Yeah, I mean it's it, comparing him again to Lonzo. Like that was one of the Lonzo Ball's main criticisms cutting out of high school too. Is like you know he's not the most most athletic guy and can't you know jump out of the gym, but. He actually like is a lot more athletic than anybody gave him credit for. There were some dunks he had in college and even now in, in the pros he shows this off a lot more, but he had some dunks that were like, oh, damn, he can actually get up when he wants to. And I, and I have a sneaking suspicion that there's going to be a similar kind of realization with Daishan Nix that he can, is a little bit more athletic than we might be giving him credit for just because he doesn't always use it or show it because that's just not how he plays the game. Um, so, you know, I, I, the point is, like, we, we might have slept on him being a little, a, a lot better than we actually did. And not to say that we were saying that he wasn't going to be good, but, you know. but Yeah, I mean, it, unfortunately, we have to watch it with him with the G League on can his you, chest. Well, can we, even watch, can we even watch G League? 
<laughs> on a five what is it five p.m. NBA.com stream. Here's the yeah. So this was my question, like in in this whole G League move in general. So the money part makes sense. Um, you know some of these other benefits that the players get sense. One thing I do think that players lose out on uh, going, you know, kind of skipping college is that kind of a opportunity to build their brand uh, as a player or, you know, use the brand of a college to get promoted a lot more. Like, Zion Williamson, for instance, like, he definitely benefited from playing at Duke on a big level because he was on TV all the time. Everybody, like, he became a household name before he even became... You know, he was kind of becoming a household name before he even came into college, but then he really blew up. Like, my mom knew who Zion Williamson would be, right? Like, she heard of his name. I don't know if players jumping right into the G League will have that kind of blow up in terms of exposure until they get a better TV deal or something. I I don't know. What are your thoughts about this? No, I completely agree. I think, well, let's talk about the next day right after. It, it looked like there was a, a counter on NCAA. Uh, they had a meeting. Of course, it wasn't just because of Daishan, but uh, given that that garnered pretty large press and uh, the momentum over the past year and a half with the, the pay, pay-to-play act um, that was passed last year, um, when California and then many other similar legislations uh, being being put through in other it's other states, the NCAA knew what they were looking at, but now they're being pressured by professional leagues, and one of the biggest ones of their revenue sport being the NBA, they decided to vote now in January 2021. They're going to have an official vote, which is going to be in favor of now players' likeness, uh, players being able to profit off their likeness, which is a game... You know, again, is the NCAA's counter. Uh, again, just to clarify and to specify on this, that this means sponsorships from school, from 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 uh, from shoe companies, and uh, this means sponsorships uh, elsewhere. This means that players can can start GoFundMe's if they want to. You know, in times like pandemics, and and gather money, collect money. Right. It also means that they can make money off their social media posts. Uh, very much. Uh, things are shifting again into common sense, which is it's such a hill turn for NCAA, given you know that Ed O'Bannon had died, <laughs> died on this uh, chair for this, and you it know, only took a so global much... pandemic for them to turn it around. You know, <laughs> yeah, no everything's strange. Uh, let's just sneak this in there. So, um, with that, now that we've had so much, and it is, I think we do need to acknowledge the the players in this. I mean, there's many players across the country. I guess Northwestern's team needs to be acknowledged uh, for their momentum with this, their football team, I think back in 2014. But um, Caitlin Ohashi and, uh, and Josh Rosen, he had the clearinghouse proposal that he put out before after he got drafted. I mean, him speaking on Sports Illustrated, like... We had a lot of UCLA players um, that have been on the national stage who have spoken out against the fact that players aren't able, student athletes aren't able to profit off their name, and they didn't find that uh, right and just. So um, now, luckily, the day after Daishan, uh, going back to UCLA, it's like this full circle, NCAA, uh, in response to the state legislation and UCLA, uh, Daishan Nicks, uh, they now they're passing this rule again. The school to clarify, the school cannot provide any funds. I mean, we know some other schools do not listen to those rules, um, but uh, it is going to be interesting to see how now that that's out in the open, now that uh, sponsorships are uh, fair game, um, how that affects uh, a lot of these top recruits' decisions and top being the top twenty-five, the five stars. Uh, and seeing what you know when they weigh their options, do they want to take a Nike, a Nike contract? You know, um, uh, maybe prematurely because you also do you want to wait till after college to take your you know maybe your stock will be higher after March Madness and you can negotiate. There's a whole bunch of many points like on this that are going to change, but I think 
it will keep the NCAA competitive uh, in the sense of like the top five to seven guys are going to still be looking at the Dukes, the Michigan, uh, Michigan States, the Kentuckys, uh, the UNCs, and then hopefully UCLA. I think we're just below that just because of our lack of success. Well, I think this... with Under Armour. I think the rule overall, though, benefits us in terms of, like, you got to think about we are in a huge media market with a lot of, you know, brand recognition. And so, you know, getting, yes, we're not, our players aren't going to get Nike deals, but there are other brands that they can capitalize off of that are, you know, active in Los Angeles that they might not actually be able to get at. UNC or Duke. Um, and so I guess kind of to counter your point, I think UCLA can be competitive in that regard. We just need to figure out how we can capitalize off of it better. Yeah, I mean, I think our market potential is crazy in that sense. And I think the only aspect that could hurt us is Under Armour versus USC Nike, you know. But again, you know, being at UCLA, the prestige, luckily, like we saw if Lonzo Ball had this, like in 2016, then or 2017, 2016, 2017 season, man, he would be he would make so much money, uh, and, and we we wouldn't even know how much money Lavar was making on the side, but BBB like Triple Bs might have been even bigger just because they would have the funds. They wouldn't even had a scandal and their whole like you know, the whole mess that happened, you know, there's just so many things. I mean, they probably would have. Right. I mean, my point is like being at UCLA and being in LA, like you saw how Lonzo was plastered all over ESPN and any, you know, sports college, uh, sports like, uh, outlet and, and the national media was all over it. Like that was one good year that we had in the last 10. It feels like, Yeah. Yeah, last good year in the last 10 years, basically. And, like, he was everywhere. And so you can imagine, like, you know, players can take advantage of that kind of media market. I don't... I think this hurts more schools like uh, like ASU, for instance. Like, does Joshua Christopher actually go to a market like Tempe, Arizona, Phoenix, basically, um, when he has the opportunity to go to somewhere that he can get a lot more endorsements? I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. If you're a five-star recruit, and put your bias aside, uh, your Bruin bias, but if you're a five-star recruit and you are looking for a Nike deal or Adidas, like one of those two shoes, and say you're in Southern California, right, and you have USC's like kind of recruiting you, UCLA's hard on you, but Kentucky and Duke, Duke are hard on you, and then you have Jordan with UNC or like Jordan with Michigan. And your profile, you don't have the Lonzo Ball profile or you have a million followers before you even touch campus, but you have about 200, 300,000. Uh, is UCLA appealing today? Like, not in terms of his market potential. Because I still think we're a tier below those schools as of now with those. I mean, like, are we? Are you talking about getting that deal in college or after college? Because I think you know you can foreseeably still go to UCLA for however many years, two years, one year, whatever it is. And if you blow up and are good, and you know build that brand name and that name, you can still get that Nike deal afterwards if you want to sign with them. I don't think you know being at an Under Armour school for now is prohibitive. However, there's going to be under the table deals where it's like, hey, if you go to Duke, you know, you'll basically we have an agreement that you're going to get your Nike deal um, as soon as you like sign sign the LOI or whatever it is. And so there is going to be an element of that. But again, like if you go, I don't know, it's tough. It's yeah, tough because I, I feel like if you go to, uh, if you're like kind of the, I don't want to say mid-tier, but a talented guy whose name hasn't blown up yet, and you go to Duke or you go to Kentucky, those teams are always stacked with other five-star players where like you guys have people like, you know, uh, Juzang, who is a very good, talented player, kind of overlooked and eventually transfer out. So you kind of shoot yourself in the foot in that regard. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a, a pretty good example of that not working in your favor. 
but yeah, I, I, I do think, like I said, I think we can be a top two option for many. Look for many kits, but I just when, think today that when we're Diddy not Reese that. starts sponsoring all of our players, nobody's gonna fucking want to go anywhere else anyway. So that's true. Or Fat Sal's, if you can get Fat Sal's contract, <laughs> hell yeah, you uh, just you're, you're, that's all you need to do. That should be part of the official visit trip. Yeah, you, you get ha- <laughs> you get the Fat Sal's, you get the Diddy Reese, you get the In and Out sponsorship. Like, uh, I don't care if Nike throws a billion dollars at me, I'm not going to that Nike school anyways. And like In and Out, they decide that they're gonna put your name under the cup, like right next to the Bible verse. <laughs> 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 then you're sold. <laughs> like just the UCLA cups. I'll be, I'll be <laughs> I, I, I'm sold, man. I, I'm telling you, the second they, UCLA needs to capitalize on that. The second they start doing that, we're gonna, we're gonna be golden. So, Fat Sal's and Diddy Reese name like a cookie and a sandwich after you. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. The the fat Imagine Isaiah. That. The fat Zay. The the fat Zed. Uh, Zed ice cream sir. I think it would be. I think we need to definitely go after it. There's no reason not to, you know? Yeah. On, on that note, while we're talking about Westwood establishments, uh, very sad to see stands, donuts. That's another development that happened. Yeah. I know I'm, di- I'm digressing, but it does. It's still, it's still on brand. Very sad to see it shut down permanently. It's a, it was an institution. I ate so many of those peanut butter chocolate donuts there in college. It was real bad. It was... My diabetes, probably between there and Diddy Reese, have increased significantly. Or yeah, I don't know if I diabetes. ever. I don't know if I ever felt great after eating Stan's donuts, but they tasted delicious. Well, the problem was you always ate like two or three of them. They're big donuts. Do you know that um, someone has actually like franchised them in Chicago? No, I didn't know that. Uh, a couple of years ago, when we were in Chicago, you were actually on that trip. Um, if you drive around uh, Chicago, there's a bunch of Stan's Donuts, and so I Googled it, and I guess some rich Chicago like investor came to L.A., ate at Stan's, and loved it so much that he licensed the name and some of the recipes from Stan and opened up all of these uh, a chain in Chicago. What? Uh, I don't know if I feel good about that. Or it's been, I mean, it's been around for a while now, but there's like a... I don't want to say it's a bootleg stance because it sort of is, but it also isn't because they do legally have permission. Um, oh my god! Sorry about that. Oh wait, this was the one at uh, Wicker Park. There's a I few. There's like a few us. of them around. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's so so. Stan sort of lives on in Chicago in a way, but yeah, their OG is is still sad. Yeah, it was pretty heartbreaking. But hey, uh, Diddy Reese is opening up this weekend, I think, or maybe hey. next weekend um, for pickup only. So if you're in the LA area, you want to support the homies, definitely go grab some cookies. Um, Get some cookies. Yeah. With mask on. With mask safe. on. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're doing like a pickup only. I think you might have to order ahead. I'm not sure. I haven't looked into it. And then they're doing some deliveries, I guess. So they're back well, on their feet. Um, anyways, back from uh, or from Westwood. Westwood eats. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I guess uh, one last point on this uh, NCAA. I know we we kind of went off, but um, I do think NCAA would be fine, and that just has to do with. Which you pointed to was exposure. Uh, March Madness, yeah, we 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 tend to see the one and dones, uh, showcase have big, you know, early March Madness. But again, if we remember it, most of those guys are out of it by what the lead eight, like most of the one and dones so or the the talents that everybody wants to see, like it, it it's the 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 big games, the Final Four and the championships are usually won by the older teams, the well coached teams. Um, so yeah, those first couple games and the buzzer beaters and the crazy best games, uh, maybe about one in 10 of them feature like the, you know, the lottery pick that everybody's turning in to watch. So yeah, I it's mean, it's not, go ahead. 
Uh, it's not going to affect it too much, and especially now that NCAA has allowed this to happen. Um, yeah, it, it. I think things will kind of balance out, and you'll see that like 7 to 20 uh, range guy that does not really care to go to college, uh, who doesn't have much interest and is looking to make money to go to jump to the G League and doesn't care about the exposure because the G League's best deal is with Twitch, right? <laughs> and ESPN Plus, like uh, two platforms that you either have one that's uh, very, um, it's hardly known, and another one which you need a subscription for, so... Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't, the doom and gloom, I think, is overblown. Um, I do want to say, like, kind of to your point, like, um, the older, better coach teams, like, we just need to go back to kind of recruiting locally and recruiting, like, a school like UNC or even Kansas, who they get a lot of, you know, four- and five-star players, but they're not all one-and-done kind of players. They rarely get the, like, one guy who's going to be there for one year. They're not like Duke or Duke or uh, Kentucky where they just have all one-and-done players, like three out of their five starting five are one-and-done players, right? Like, UNC consistently, I feel like, pulls in these four-star guys who have a lot of talent. They stay for three years at least, sometimes even four. Um, and they build that kind of chemistry and that skill as the, they progress through their time there and then build a cohesive team. Um, and then those guys end up jumping into the NBA and are good players in the NBA. So, like, I feel like Mick Cronin fits that mold better anyways. And so I don't think we're in trouble at all yeah this. i think we're in one of the best positions like i would be worried if we hired coach cow who we never really had a chance with uh and this happened more so than having cronin like it makes the, i'm much happier the fact that we have a cronin uh i agree but it, it is like you said earlier way earlier is that it does hurt uh for next season immediately but long term we should be fine yeah, and I do think we're still going to be, uh, you know, we're not going to be a top 10 team now, but I think we're still kind of in the top 15 to 20 range with uh, everyone. Hopefully, if Chris Smith returns, I will say, if Chris Smith returns, we'll be in that 15 to 20 range. If he does not return, um, then then it gets a little dicier. Um, this sort of depends on if Johnny Juzang becomes eligible or not or... Um, anything like that, kind of all those other factors we'll have to to play in on that. But um, yeah. so that that's something to watch over the next month is uh, Chris Smith, his decision to return, and then Johnny. I don't know his eligibility waiver. We might not figure out until this fall, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. I think Smith comes back personally. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for him to leave. I'm not so sure. I would love for him to come back, but I'm 50-50 on it. I do think it's a good sign that uh, that media is telling him to come back, and I'm sure they're reading that. And then I'm sure he's grading out as a low uh, a low second-round pick. So, um, But, again, with everything that's happening with the pandemic, you just never know how these families are viewing these yeah, two options. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But I, I do think the pandemic angle also kind of helps us in the sense that you know, we don't even know when the draft is going to be. Um, and so it's it kind of impacts a lot of things. Uh, that on the flip side is we don't know if there's going to be college season for him to play again. So uh, I don't know. But I, I feel like it feels like he should come back either way and uh, kind of showcases his improvement again this year and I think you know one more year having a full year of Cronin now and going into next season will be very beneficial for him so we'll see yeah I think we yeah come back Chris Smith that's our that's our yeah. message to you um, I know you listen hopefully uh, switching gears to the more depressing sport other revenue 
not so much revenue, the negative, the red revenue. <laughs> People got really mad at me when I joked about cutting. Uh, there was, I don't know if you saw that, there was a tweet about Notre Dame possibly considering cutting non-revenue sports. Um, and so I tweeted something out like, oh, maybe UCLA should consider doing the same with football. <laughs> I missed that, but... Um, I had, we had a yeah. few few followers who might have missed the my facetiousness in that. Um, but... <laughs> I mean, I would I would have read it and, and just agreed. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, um, it is. I, I I do think one thing I have to we have to realistically look at, which is certainly a possibility as much as everything else. Uh, well, not certainly. It's probably on a lower percentage, but like sp- sports are gonna have to be cut, right? Um, if it, and if we miss out this season and especially now athletic incompetent athletic department that's operating in, in the red, um, like there are privileges that we have of watching these, these football and basketball games, but they're not guaranteed. Um, and so we just don't know what the outcome would be if we miss, you know, if, if, if sports don't, doesn't come back this fall. And again, it's too early to speculate if it comes back, how it'll come back and whatnot, but everything's, everything's on the table. Everything Uh, seems to be pointing that it will come back. We just don't know what capacity, I guess. I'm not really worried about, you know, them not playing next season and then all these teams folding. It's more, but... But the Notre Dame thing, it does bring up a good point. Like, it's very possible schools start decommissioning other teams that are not, you know, that are, you know, unfortunately cost money to run. And it sucks for those student athletes and for those, you know, coaches and everyone who's put in so much time and effort into getting there. Um, And I really, really hope it doesn't matter. And I... Obviously, we've heard nothing about UCLA doing this, and that Notre Dame thing was really the first I've seen anything about a school considering, you know, chopping um, men's badminton or whatever random sports they may have. Um, Well, Cincinnati did it with men's soccer, and I know that's what kind of spurred the conversation. Oh, they did. I missed that. Okay. And that's like, I mean, men's soccer, that's like a, you know, the... The NCAA tournament is at least televised, so there's some, you know, some viewership there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I really hope it doesn't come to that. I mean, that'd be really sad for everybody involved. But, yeah, and then UCLA football, our football team and basketball team are definitely the last, like, they're far down the line. I'm not worried about them getting cut. (laughs) I'm not worried about the baseball team. I'm not worried about gymnastics. I'm not worried about, like, softball. Um, I'm worried about beach volleyball. Um, Part of, you know, things like like rowing. Rowing, yeah. I, like, I don't know if, some of the golf teams could be in jeopardy. I don't know. It's hard to speculate, and I, I don't. I want to veer away from kind of speculating that. But you know, the point is, I really, it's it's scary to think about, and it would be really sad. But there's no conversation that I know of, or I have heard, or even any smoke coming out of the athletic department saying that that's being considered at this time. Um, so that's good news. Um, but with that, uh, I guess football has uh, just been steady in, in its own way, steady and quiet. Steady, <laughs> steady in uh, in what way? Just quiet, no recruits. It seems like every single school in the nation has had a commitment <laughs> during this time. And I, I mean, we had DJ Justice, but uh, we've been pre, quiet. That was pre-COVID. I know he he committed like March something like a few days after like the the orders so he got it right there on the oh course. really oh it feels like yeah. like geez I don't know I don't know again because we perception of time yeah but so we got DJ Justice and then uh, we're we're for some reason we haven't heard from Moss but um, I'm sure he's just 
<laughs> trying to, to convince himself to come to UCLA. So we don't blame him. Take his time. Um, <laughs> and uh, Miller Moss. And then we're looking at a lineman, which we started at the beginning to offer. I think we're in a good spot for like two or three. Um, and other than that, uh, like UCLA has been very much quiet. And as we expect, and uh, the other school on the other side, I won't get too much into it, but they're rolling when they're recruiting right now, um, especially with their new hire, Dante Williams. Um, we'll see again. I, I I know there's speculation that there's been so many commitments that, and, and a lot of the big reason has been because just student like these these high school athletes are trying to lock in their spot knowing that there's again everything's up to chance right now there's a chance that you know football high school football season might not happen so they're committing but you know and with that the benefactors are the big schools we expect ohio state clemson but even outside of that you have some um well tennessee has always kind of been a a a big powerhouse in recruiting um, but UNC, I mean, those guys, I was hoping that's where we, I hope we, of course, wish we were at, we were equivalent to UNC in recruiting cause we've been there before, but they're having a top five recruiting class, which is most likely going to finish top 12 once, you know, in the God, year. in football so, of all sports, like, and, <laughs> which is a true basketball school. They're killing it right now in their second year, uh, with Mac Brown. But uh, I mean, Mac Brown is Mac Brown. He's always been an excellent recruiter. You know, you can say what you want about his coaching, whatnot, and at Texas at the end of the year or his tenure there. But he's always been a great recruiter, so it shouldn't really surprise anybody. But you know, turning UNC into a place that you know he's getting a big, strong recruiting class like that—it's still pretty impressive. In his second year, too. Yeah. Especially he's given out far... I mean, far... When did, when did he last coach? 2011? Something like that, so, yeah. So he, he took away eight years. It's similar to, like... I mean, Herm Edwards doesn't even have the, the, the college resume of Mac Brown. But... Uh, so I guess it's not the same... Um, a similar uh, assessment, but a comparison. But, yeah, you see these schools with these Mac Brown's years, just on the Vince Young... Uh, era basically still and it's working and they had a, i mean they had a decent uh first year it, it started off really strong and then you know they struggled but their sam howe is pretty nice and it just it's again it's a program that we wish we looked like in in terms of momentum not necessarily in makeup but uh yeah ucla has one commit still and um I saw, I think, Ethan Calvert, which is Bo Calvert's little brother, is leaning towards USC. But I think that's going to go, you know, many ways over the next few months. But it's just not a good sign. Um, Again, and uh, I guess we're all banking on this season. We're going to be talking about this for the next few months. um, But we're going to be banking on this season to, to gain momentum with our favorable schedule. Uh, But recruiting should be the same story over the next 12 months. I don't expect it to change. It's or just, not 12 months, 8 it's months. It's so frustrating. I just, I, I don't know. I'm over, I'm over what do you think? Kelly. What do you think he's doing right now? Do you think he's in L.A. or New Hampshire? Uh, who knows? He's probably trying to come up with some overthought plot to fix everything and it's not going to make any sense and he probably thinks he's smarter than everybody else and it's just going to end up blowing up in his face again and we're going to (laughs) suck that's how I like I if you can't tell I'm very jaded about this whole thing Uh, I just I don't know what else to think about him yeah he is uh, very much on the naughty list for Bruins so we're we're gonna hold off on him. Uh, other than that, DTR is like working out and in Texas. Yeah, how did he get to Texas? Video. I think he probably has a relative there. It looked like I I couldn't tell. It looked like Austin that he flew into. Is either Austin or Dallas? I think it's a Dallas. I thought it's a Dallas. Oh, maybe it did, and I just missed it. But um, his throws. It, like I think he's gonna be better throwing off the run, uh, but I it's just again he throws darts and we need touch and so, 
again, I, I hate being like those guys, what do they call them, the nacho eaters, you know, sitting there and, and, and commenting on a off-season workout. Um, but DTR, you know, working out, he seems like he really, again, is fighting for this. And hopefully the work, uh, everything kind of plays into his favor this year. And he has a big year. But until then, we need a Miller Moss. That's going to make or break our recruiting. And we need someone that's like Miller Moss who's going to be able to kind of be that Pied Piper. And and it just, I think he's a saving grace. If we don't get Miller Moss, uh, which at the same time, part of me, like, I, I don't know how I feel. Like you said, I'm so, I, I'm not necessarily jaded. I'm so ambivalent about the Chip Kelly era at this point, right? Going into year three. Um, because part of me is like, okay, I just want to end it, right? What's the fastest way to end it, right? Do we have a bad, another bad recruiting class? Do we actually mess up the easiest, one of the easiest schedules we had in, what, seven years? Um, or do, do I want this, you know, this short-term satisfaction of winning, what, seven to eight games, going to a bowl game, um, a DTR and, you know, Pac-12 honorable mentions or whatever, you know, surprise year and Owa's getting on draft board. Uh, Osa's being on draft boards. Not Owa, his little brother. You know, like do I? And then all of a sudden, then the next year we play LSU, get crushed, and you know, go back to wherever we were in our first year and second year because our schedule will be immensely tougher in Chip Kelly's fourth year. So I don't know. I I'm ambivalent. I I don't know if I want like just to end it or. Hold on. Don't we have a second recruit now? Don't we have a linebacker who recruited? You are right. See, I. Okay, so we have two recruits. We, we have that. <laughs> Not that it makes like this class significantly better or anything, but I, I was like, I swear we had a linebacker recruit whose name I can't remember now. No, that was a good catch. Uh, he's supposed to actually be underrated too. He's supposedly a good like a gamer. So we got that recruit. What's his name? I don't even. I, I don't remember his name. I think. Well, yeah, a. I'm I gonna want, look it. Up I want to see like a right. long kind of Polynesian name, or like an Islander name, which I'm terrible at pronouncing, anyways. It's Devin Apui, Apui, Apui. Yeah. So outside linebacker, completely just slipped my mind. Yeah, so he committed back on in April, late April. Yeah, up. okay, so we have to, We, we only have recruit recruits. linebackers now. That's the that's the Chip Kelly strategy. He's just going to get every linebacker he possibly can and then he's going to come up with some new system apparently that's going to just blow everyone out of the water with a linebacker only offense. Not even it, defense. Or, what if he gets a linebacker and he like he like thins out one of some of them to play, have him play DB and then builds up the others to <laughs> to be linemen? Like he's like if I get right in the middle, you know I can figure it out. <laughs> Man, I don't I don't know I. Not really sure what the strategy there is, but you know, he's smarter than us all. So. Yeah, Chip Kelly, innovator continue to innovate at our expense but uh other than that moving away from that on a positive note softball I don't oh know if we're gonna be stacked so um yeah uh rachel garcia and bubba nichols are coming back for a team that only lost one game before the pandemic and was the consensus number one team in the country so we are looking at an all-time team coming up in 2021 which is exciting i mean you that they come back to yeah like you said a team that only lost once that was finished consensus number one uh you already had you know megan Farimo, um maya brady was freshman of the year uh tom tom brady's niece um our little goat. Our little goat. Your wise was incredibly good. You saw Washington. All these other players that were are very good in their own right. And then you add back Rachel Garcia, which you know is you can make the argument she's probably like a top five softball player ever overall yeah. in the sport. 
and then you get Bubble Nichols, who is also very, very good, and obviously an Olympian back for the season. Like, that team is just going to fucking wreck people. It truly is going to just wreck people. I guess my question is, if the Olympics are postponed to 2021, how does that affect those two? They're going to play the season, and then they're going to go. The Olympics will be in the summer, so it'll be after. Got it. Okay. So they basically, like, the season is going to be their warm-up to the Olympics. Hmm. I mean, it essentially will at the point of they're at at their career, so. Yeah, so I, I hope it's like, you know, they... I hope it's natty and then back that up with the gold medal right after. Yeah. That would be the Very trade. exciting. The dominance of the UCLA softball era. Yeah. They'll be, they'll be fun to watch. Um, so, yeah. That is a positive note for our uh, for a sport for us. Was there any other, other sports notes that we are missing um no not nothing major that i can think of right now so yeah i think we're we're good i hope everyone's staying safe out there staying healthy out there um yeah staying at home and following ucla sports online it's our uh yeah. <laughs> Our only option right now. Just keep it at a a manageable dose of checking in because, I mean, like our softball, of course, our women's sports are always bringing us joy, but the men's just seem to struggle with the the evolving climate for now. I mean, Cron- Cronin's fine, but that was just heartbreaking news on Knicks. Yeah, it's I, Zed, I, I was I wanted to check in with you the next day. <laughs> Like how are you doing on a on a Knicks note? <laughs> Not necessarily about. COVID, I went from just being just... like, "What the fuck has just happened?" and feeling pissed off to being like uh, thinking about it a little bit more and being like, eh, "We'll be okay next season." And then just you know, like I can't fault him for it. So we'll be fine. Yeah. But, yeah, I think other than that, we don't really have much else to say. So, um, stay safe, stay at home, stay healthy, and go Bruins. Go Bruins. All right, signing off.